0: Uh, for those of you who have been with us for uh, about a month now, four, at least four weeks, we were looking at the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 25 through 37. This is the story that follows right after it. And I wanted us to um, to take a minute and look at this particular story before we dive into a new sermon series starting next week in 1 John. Uh, but the reason why I wanted to look at this is because I think Luke carefully... Um, Place This story Right after uh, the story Of the Good Samaritan One because this is the sequence of events That happened in Jesus' life But Luke includes this story Unlike any of the other gospel writers uh, He includes this story Because I think what it does Is it shows um, If the Good Samaritan story Shows us what it means to love our neighbor Then the story of Mary and Martha Shows us what it means to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so it's in that context of the law, of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, that this this is the greatest commandment. It's in that context that we find this story. But before we read the text, and it's a very short story, uh, but before we read that, I just want to talk to you a minute about how busy we are. Has anyone um, just been... Frustrated with life or overwhelmed by life or just really felt worried and upset by the by the rat race or the what is it, the hamster wheel, or whatever kind of analogy you want to use, to to, to think about what our life is often like. And, and that's really true, that we are worried and upset about many things. According to a study by Gallup, um we are worried and upset about many things at work. Uh, Because according to this study, 23% of employees report feeling burnout at work very often or always, that's almost a quarter of employees, while an additional additional 44% reported feeling burnt out sometimes. Now it's interesting because burnout is, is a term that we've come up with, I guess maybe in recent years, To to think of what it's like when you've been running and running and running and working and working and working and all of a sudden you just are overwhelmed emotionally, you're exhausted physically. We've come up with this term burnout, but but psychologists and psychiatrists and medical professionals are beginning to realize that this concept of burnout is becoming a medical condition. Um, Burnout, in in fact, it's not just health, uh, but it's also cost to the employers. Burnout, it has been shown, costs between $125 billion and $190 billion every year in healthcare costs. Researchers estimate that workplace stress accounts for 8% of national spending on healthcare. Some of you, if I just mention the word boss, you just had a little freak out right now. Uh, you know, some of you, if I if I mention that, okay, yeah, tomorrow's Labor Day, but then you've got to go back to work the next day, some of you are already feeling a little bit of anxiety as you think about it. Because at work, we are worried and upset about many things. But it's interesting, too, because not only does America have the least vacation days, that employers offer the least amount of vacation days, but even the vacation days that we're offered, most of us don't take. Did you realize that only 28% of Americans plan to max out their vacation days this year? Only 28% of you, possibly, maybe you're above average, but, you know, 28% of us are planning on maxing out our vacation days. Now, this is paid vacation days that we're not taking. And some have estimated that thousands of dollars, like if you have a $40,000 or $50,000 salary, then those vacation days add up to thousands of dollars that you're being paid to rest, and we're not taking them. And no wonder we are burned out. We are worried and upset about many things at work. But we're also worried and upset about many things at home too, aren't we? You know, we have chores to do, we have bills to pay, uh, we have meals to cook, we have mouths to feed, we have errands to run, we have games to attend, we have, uh, you know, uh, just so many activities that are going on in our lives. If you have children, or if you don't have children, you you know the busyness of life at home, and uh, a, a lot of times we we don't even know what to do next. What, what is it that I need to do now? And sometimes we're just kind of on a, on a treadmill and just keep churning out whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing next and we're, we're, we're burning out at home. We're worried and upset about many things at home. Jim Gaffigan, who is a comedian, he once was asked uh, when he had he had three children and then they were having a fourth child and shortly after his fourth child was born, Jim Gafkin was asked, what, what, what is it like going from having three children to now having four children? And his response was, he said, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a, child, a baby. That's what it's like. Uh, and so we, we have to understand that we are... Frantic. We are at this frantic pace, even at home. Just set aside work, but but look at our lives at home. We are anxious. We are burnt out. We are fearful. We are worried and upset about many things at home. And sadly, um, we're we're giving up on all the rest that we need. Not only are we not taking our vacation days, but at home we're giving up on sleep. Uh, the studies have shown that we are on average we sleep two hours less than our grandparents we sleep two hours less than our grandparents did it's no wonder that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the united states i'm not saying it's a one-to-one comparison some things are uh, for all kinds of different reasons but anxiety disorders affect 40 million adults In the US because we are worried and upset about many things at home and of course we are worried and upset about many things at church aren't we Um, you don't have to raise your hand but sometimes we're a little bit anxious we're a little bit worried about being at church Because sometimes we feel a lot of pressure to perform. A lot of pressure to measure up. A lot of pressure to be involved in everything that's going on. You know, there's a number of pastors who feel this pressure. Um, A uh, recent studies have shown that about 250 pastors leave the ministry every month, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that, but one that stood out to me was that 84% of pastors say that they're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They feel that pressure to be available, that pressure to be uh, at everyone's bedside or, or to be involved in everyone's uh, lives in every facet of their lives and so they they feel like they're on call 24 hours a day Seven days a week. So pastors are burning out But it's not just the pastors. It's also in the pews See we feel pressure to give more to serve more to do more to grow more You know someone else in the church brought a better uh, a, a tastier casserole dish than me to first Sunday lunch. So next month, I'm gonna show them, I'm gonna bring the best, right? Um, And it's interesting because we feel like we need to have more activity going on in the church building so that, and there's this pressure, uh, not only just to grow personally and and to perform in in some sort of way that, that other people see, but also outside the church, we want to see that parking lot full so that people can see that, yeah, there's life here, there's vitality here, there's people coming here. And we get this pressure to, to show to the world that something's going on. Well, something is going on. But I think a lot of times we get a little bit, uh, you know, we're comparing ourselves to what's going on in the world, and we feel like there's, there's more that we need to be doing. And so in the church, we are worried and upset. About many things, and the question is: as we think about work, and we think about our home, and we think about church, the question is um, is not so much what should we do less of. The question is, what should I do now? The answer is not to do less. The answer is to discover the right thing to do now? And each moment, what is God's will for this moment? What does God want for this hour? What is it that is God's will uh, for me to do each day? So the answer is not to do less, the answer is to discover the right thing to do now. So I, I just want to be clear before we read the passage that I'm as a pastor I'm not here to diagnose and treat anxiety disorders and I am not here to give you productivity hacks okay I'm not trying to help you manage your time better we can talk about that those are healthy things to consider you can go to a medical professional you can go to a, a, a time management consultant you can go Uh, to your boss and 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 work out ways or go to your spouse and and work out ways that you can manage your time and and your stress and your energy levels at home and, and and even at church but we can talk about those things but really what i want us to do is look at this story of martha and mary and see what is the main thing that we need to do so luke 10 verse 38 You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. So it says here that they were traveling. Now remember, this is in the context of the rest of Luke chapter 10, that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, And in the narrative of Luke's gospel, Jesus is on his way to die. And on the way, he's having some interactions with people, and that's what chapters 9 and 10 and, and following are all about, is this journey towards Jerusalem. It says back in chapter 9 that Jesus had set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. He had a purpose. He had a reason for why he was on the road. And it says, while they were traveling, and so I want us to... So look at this story, and I want us to, uh, to by the end of our morning and by the end of this message, I hope that we will come away from this being able to minor on the many things and major on the main thing. That, that's really the, the whole goal of this message. It's, again, I'm not giving you productivity hacks. I'm not giving you anxiety meds. I, I'm just saying simply that from Scripture, how can we minor on the many things, And how can we major on the main thing? So let's look at how to minor on the many things. Um, Look at what Jesus says, and and I'm going to kind of go down to verse um, 41 uh, and 42, and then we'll kind of come back to the story where the Lord answers her in verse 41. And he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Now, it's interesting that Jesus doesn't scold her for doing those things. He's he's gently and lovingly, compassionately uh, admonishing her that she is worried and upset about many things. See, there are many things. Okay, There are always going to be many things. There are things at work. There are going to be things... At home, there are going to be things at church, and you, as a disciple of Jesus, are going to have to learn how to manage all of the things. Okay? And and, and so there's always going to be things, and there's always going to be minutes, and there's always going to be hours, and those hours and minutes are just going to pass by. They're going to keep going. And the question that we have to ask is Am I doing the main thing? thing or am I majoring on the minors am I majoring on the many am I distracted by all of the things that are being thrown at me H- have I taken some time to consider is this thing important is this thing eternal is this thing ultimate and so we look at Martha's life where it says Where he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried. See, Jesus diagnoses the problem. The problem is not the many things. Um, and, And just to kind of illustrate that in this text is going back to verse 38. It says, while they, while they were traveling. Who is they? They are all the disciples. So it's not necessarily that Jesus just showed up alone at Mary and Martha's house. It does say that Martha invited uh, him in. It says in verse 38, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. I don't think that excludes that the disciples are present. It doesn't say that they are. It doesn't say that they're not. But I think it's just focusing on Jesus as the main one. Um, but but it seems as though the, the disciples, because they are traveling and they're coming from uh, one area and going to another area, that they are in need of hospitality. And so Martha, what, what I want you to notice about Martha is that she is inviting Jesus and, and presumably his companions into her home. That is a good thing. All right, She is inviting them in. Um, and, and as we continue to look at verse 38, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And it says in verse 40, to pick up with Martha a little bit more, it says, Martha, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Okay, so I, I just want you to notice some of the things that Martha is doing. Um, somebody did need to make a meal. Um, there did need to be some... Hospitality shown. That there was a way in which Mary and Martha could, and, and Lazarus, we don't know if he's there in this story, but he was their brother. Um, they could have, uh, you know, fluffed the pillows and, and cleaned up the toys and, uh, you know, swept the floors and prepared a meal and made sure there was enough for everyone to go around and poured the drinks and, and all the things that they needed. Those were things that needed to be done. But I think what Mary, uh, what Martha misses is that Jesus is in her home. Have you ever thought about that It's like, of course there's many tasks. There's always going to be a lot of things, but where is Jesus in all of that? Where is Jesus at, at work when you're being burnt out and, and stressed by all the demands of your employment? Where is Jesus in your home? Have you, have you forgotten that Jesus is there because you're so distracted by the many things? Is, is Jesus here in this room? Is he here in this church? Is he a part of our, uh, of our gathering? Or are we so distracted that it wouldn't matter if he was or wasn't? We've gotten so distracted by the things that we fail to see that Jesus is here. And it's not that those things don't need to be cared for. There are many things. There's always going to be many things. But are you worried and upset by them? Are you distracted by them? Are, are Are you unable to manage those things in such a way? Or maybe you've piled on so many things, you've said yes to too much, Maybe you've said yes to too much debt. And and so you have no choice uh, to work yourself out of a hole. But the question is, are you distracted by so many things that you forget that Jesus is in your home? That Jesus is here in our church? That Jesus is with us? See, Martha... It's not that Martha had too much to do. It's that the things she was doing were distracting her from the one thing that she must do. It's not that Martha had too much to do, but the things she did do and was doing were distracting her and worrying her and upsetting her and keeping her from the one thing that she must do. We'll talk about that minute but but these distractions were keeping her from you know and I I love Martha because I think we we often see ourselves in Martha don't we We are worried and upset by many things we do have a lot of distractions in our life and we can see how Martha uh, you know genuinely wanted to serve see Martha is a good person Martha loves Jesus Martha did a good thing By inviting Jesus And again, most likely his disciples All to come into her own home This is a wonderful thing That she has welcomed them And wants to serve them But in her serving She has grown distracted Rather than devoted. She's not devoted to Christ. She's not devoted to Him personally. She realizes that there's too many things to be done. I can't get around to spending time with Jesus. I've got too many things to do. So, yes, she had invited Jesus into her home, but she was so distracted that it didn't matter that it was Jesus in. It wasn't, she wasn't spending any time with him She wasn't being blessed by Jesus' presence Because of her own distractions And I think it's interesting too with Martha That not only is she so distracted and worried and upset by the many things But she also is feeling alone and cut off and isolated in those things so how many times in the church are we just running ourselves ragged, trying to get everything done, even in the church, or maybe take it into the home and, and just realize, yeah, there's a lot of things to be done, and we're, we're burning out in the ministry. We're burning out in our parenting. We're burning out in our marriage. We're burning out in, in our life because we feel isolated. We feel like there's no one else helping and the, the, the thing that we need is not for someone to come along and do these things with me. The thing is, we need to stop doing some of those things so that we can focus on Jesus. See, because when we are operating at a deficit emotionally and energy and, and, and uh, exhaustion, when we are operating at a, at a deficit, we begin to look around and point fingers at others for the job that's not getting done. We start to blame other people because this isn't getting done and this should be getting done and nobody's doing that and we start to lay guilt on other people in the church, in ministry or in the home because we are we ourselves are operating at an emotional deficit. And it's exhausting, and we start to point at other people, like if if only they would start doing more, if only my husband or if only my wife would begin to pull their own weight, or if if if, um, if the pastor would do this, or if if this member over here would start giving more, or this this person would start serving. Like none of these other people do what I do, and so we start to. Lay that pressure on others Because that pressure Is so heavy on us And so Martha Is operating at an emotional Deficit, and at a physical deficit she, She's looking around, she, she sees too many things to be done um, To make sure everything is done perfectly. I mean, it sounds like she's a perfectionist. It sounds like she's the kind of person who wants it done right. And she wants to serve Jesus. See, Martha is a good person. But she's beginning to feel that weight of exhaustion. And she's being distracted by a lot of things. And it's uh, another thing that I want to point out about Martha. If you look there in verse... um, Verse 40. It says, Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Interesting thing about Martha is that she's really expecting Jesus to back her up. Right? She's expecting Jesus to take her side. And again, Jesus doesn't scold her. He doesn't say you should stop doing the things. But he says you're worried and upset about many things. And instead, you need to focus on the major thing, the main thing, which we'll talk about in a minute. You know, I think a lot of us are we're saved. We love Jesus. We're thankful for the gift of salvation in our lives. We are so uh, overwhelmed by that, that that we genuinely want to serve and to give and to do and to grow and and, and all the things that the that the Bible teaches and just in life we want to we want to improve, we want to grow. And and so there's a lot of activities. There's a lot of things that we can that we can do, but as one uh, person said and I forget now who this was, but but somebody once said You know, not everything that comes out of heaven has your name on it. (laughs) Okay? So, not everything that's good, and not everything that is godly, and not everything that is heavenly, and not everything that God um, wants done has your name on it. You're not the only one in the church who can give, and who can serve, and who can bring a casserole to First Sunday lunch. I mean, you're not the only one that can do it. Um, and, and so so we need to understand that uh, that that not everything that is good and not everything that should be done or, or can be done is something that I myself have to do so we want to we want to minor on the many things we want to we want, we want to look at the many things that are out there in ministry and the many things that are out there in parenting and, and in Being a husband or or a wife And and look at all of the many things That are done uh, in our work And we need to look at those And we need to prioritize them and, and, And analyze them And think carefully about The way we spend our time Ultimately I think a lot of us Can't crack open our Bible Because the TV is too loud you know, a lot of times we think well I'll get around to a quiet time. but it's hard for me to just sit down and find 15 minutes to do that. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. And yet we can spend hours. And I confess I've done this. Um, I watched part of the Alabama game yesterday and it was great. you know I'm not saying this is a this is a bad thing, but but I'm saying like a lot of times we get, We think we don't have time but the question is how are we using our time so Martha was distracted by the many things it says in Matthew 6 25 Jesus said therefore I tell you don't worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body what you will wear isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing do you realize who is in Martha's home do you realize who it is that's in your home? If Jesus is a part of your life, this is Jesus who said in Matthew six, "Look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. Do they get themselves dressed? Do they do the, do the birds of the air? You know, uh, have to purchase things and buy things for themselves? No." And and this is Jesus. This is Jesus who took five loaves and and fishes and broke them apart and fed 5,000. Do you think he really needs Martha at this moment to prepare a meal for 12 disciples? But see, Martha is also so um, distracted by social norms. Because as she's looking at it, she's thinking, well, the disciples men are over there listening to Jesus. Meanwhile, I and my sister Mary should be over here in the kitchen. This was a social norm of the day. And, and look at what it says here in verse 40 again, where, he's, where she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Um, so, so tell her to give me a hand. Um, see, it's, it's that my sister has left me to serve alone. She's thinking we are the only two that can serve here, Right. And, and the point that Jesus says is that, no, this this defies social norms. This is goes beyond what you think cultural habits are uh, are, are uh, exist. Um, Mary is sitting at my feet. She's learning. She's a disciple. She's welcome into my circle. I want her here, even though that was unheard of for a, a, a female to be a disciple of a rabbi or, or, or serve in that way. Uh, but she's, he's saying, no, she is welcome. She's a part of this. One last thing I want to say about the many things, and that is that this doesn't mean that we stop doing the many things. But we do need to think about those many things carefully and see if they are necessary things. In the moment, are they the things that Jesus wants me to do? See, because it's not an, it, it's not the, the idea that we shouldn't be busy. Now, I think too much busy work um, can, can really burn us out. It can exhaust us. But But it's not necessarily that we do less. It's that we work smarter and more spiritually. See, because Jesus was busy, right? I mean, he was pretty busy. He was a very busy man. Paul was busy. I want you to see what he says in 1 Corinthians 15.10. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That sounds like a Popeye uh, statement. I am what I am, Uh, you know, and his. But he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. He's he's acknowledging that I'm working hard for the kingdom of God. I'm working hard for God's glory, but it's not me who's working. It's really the grace of God in me. That's what we need is is not to work harder or work more, but that the grace of God would be working in us and through us. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26-28, he said, On frequent journeys I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things, There is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. See, Paul had started, he was so active, he was so busy, I guess you could say, that he had started all kinds of churches all around uh, that region. And so it's not that we get rid of all of the things, it's that we take a closer look and careful look at the many things. Are these the things that God wants me to do? And we want to minor on the many things and major on the main thing. Because here's what Jesus says in verse 41. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Look at verse 42. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice. Now get the picture here because Martha is scrambling around trying to prepare a meal to show hospitality to her guests. Mary is sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. That's what it says in verse 39, that Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. That's what Mary was doing. And so you have Martha scrambling around trying to get a meal prepared, Mary listening to the words of Jesus. And what Jesus says here in verse 42 is that one thing is necessary, and he says that Mary has made the right choice. Now, some translations might say something like, Mary has chosen the better portion. And and the the sense there in the original language is that, that she chose the better meal. She chose the right course. Okay, When she was going through the line and looking at all the options, she chose the best meal the best dish the best course she has chosen for herself the food and the drink that is going to sustain her and it says here what Jesus says is Mary has made the right choice she's chosen the better portion and it will not be taken away from her see there's one thing there's one main thing this one thing is necessary and what is this one thing that's necessary? We find out by looking at exactly what Mary was doing, and that is she was sitting near Jesus. She is closer in proximity to Jesus than her sister Martha. She is close to him. She's sitting at his feet, right? I don't know that there's too many people that can be sitting at the feet of Jesus at the same time. Okay, so she is as close to Jesus as she possibly can get, listening to his words. She's hearing his teaching. He's hearing the, the things that, uh, that, that Jesus has to say. And, and what did Jesus say? We don't know what he said in that house. But what we do know is that when everybody was abandoning Jesus... And the disciples, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, well, are you going to go too? And the disciples say to Jesus, where else would we go? You have the words of life. So what is it that Jesus is saying? We don't know. We don't know exactly what he was saying in that house and in that moment. But we know because it's Jesus that he has the words of Of life. That's what he teaches. That's what he's saying. That's what he's giving us through his word. And that's the main thing. The main thing is communion with Christ. It's being near him and listening to him and following him and obeying him and serving him, but serving only out of a sense of what he desires for me to do. See, Martha is scrambling around in the kitchen, but never once did she sit at Jesus' feet and just simply say, Jesus, what can I do for you? What should I be doing in this moment? What, uh, What is my role? I am your student. I am your disciple. I will do as you say. If you want me to go and bake bread, I'll go and bake bread. If you want me to sit at your feet, I'll sit at your feet. She didn't ask. She didn't consult. She forgot. She was so distracted. She didn't even realize that Jesus was saying something important. And because of social norms, she didn't even realize that she had access to being a disciple. Until until she approached Jesus and, and wanted Jesus to back her up. But Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You're distracted. You're worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. See, in your parenting, and in your marriage, and in your work, and in your ministry, and in every part of your life, if hearing from Jesus and communion with him is put on the back burner. Then don't be surprised when you do burn out. We need that daily union with Christ yes. in order for us to be brought uh, into health and, and into um, into a place of joy, into a place of abundance. And what Jesus says here at the end is. This choice, this better portion, this, this better dish that Mary has chosen for herself, it, it will never be taken from her. See, Martha, thank you for inviting us into your home, and, and this looks like a wonderful meal. But this meal is soon going to be over. And then we're going to be on our way. And you will have missed all of the truths and the blessing of that special, intimate time with Jesus. Mm. You're so distracted by the many things that you failed to be blessed and helped by the main thing, and that is that relationship with Christ. So, this um, blessing, this portion, will not be taken from, from Mary. Mary chose something that would last. Mary chose something that was eternal. And it says in Colossians 1.12 um, that we should give thanks to the Father who has enabled us to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Uh-huh. That, that word uh, that, was, that was used um, of that portion is the same word here used as inheritance. That We share in the saints' inheritance in the life. This is an eternal inheritance. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and he has promised to give us eternal life. But don't miss that not only has Jesus promised us eternal life and this inheritance with the saints uh, uh, in, in the light, this inheritance in the light, but we have this eternal inheritance. But we also have abundant life now. Jesus has promised us that he will be uh, the abundant life giver for us. And if you're not experiencing joy in your relationship with God, if you're not experiencing that abundant life, and I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, I'm talking about abundance of joy, abundance of peace, abundance of of, of assurance and, 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 and calm and peace in your life, if you're not experiencing that abundant life, this is what Jesus is offering. And every minute spent listening to and being obedient to Jesus is time well spent. We need to do what's right now. Do what's right now. And stop being distracted by so many other things. Communion with Christ isn't just the main thing for eternal life. Communion with Christ is the main thing for abundant life now. So let me give you a few points of application. One is that if you've never opened your life to Jesus, then today is the day of salvation, that you can trust in him, As your Lord and Savior, you can begin to follow Him and love Him. Turn from your sins and your distractions and the way of this world and place your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Open your heart to Jesus, open your life, welcome Him into your life. That is a good thing. You don't need to impress Jesus with your work or with your service, Um, you don't need to impress Him with those. it's not your sacrifice for him that that gives you favor with God. It's Jesus's sacrifice for you that is a free offer for you so that you can have favor with God. It's not something you could have done to earn salvation. it's something Jesus did on the cross that enables us to know him so open your heart to Jesus trust in him. your life will never be the same. your life will be transformed. By the power of the gospel But if you have opened your heart to Jesus And and you have him He is in your life And I want to give you a couple more points of application And that is One is prove it (laughs) Okay Prove that you trust God Tonight Go to sleep Get a full eight hours of sleep I know this is very uh, very practical but, But listen Jesus is not Asking for all of your activity God is the one who created The universe do you think he needs you To serve him See Psalm 127 1 and 2 He says unless the Lord builds a house Its builders labor over it in vain Unless the Lord watches over a city The watchman stays alert in vain In vain you get up early and stay up late Working hard to have enough food Yes he gives sleep To the one he loves Rest in his goodness for you rest in his provision for you rest just go to sleep at night and I know that there are many anxious concerns but but just lay your head on the pillow and get some sleep and by doing so prove that you trust God see uh, Matthew six thirty four tells us that therefore don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own why are you staying up late worrying about all the things that are happening tomorrow when that's that's sufficient for tomorrow don't don't worry about that don't worry about your life what you'll eat or drink or or for your body what you'll put on but trust in God take a vacation some of you are already coming off of a a vacation, and you are exhausted from your vacation, because here's what we do on vacation. Sometimes we take vacation, and we try to be in the most luxurious setting and and kind of the higher station in life, and we spend, you know, we max out our credit cards, and we spend all this money, and then we go, and it was a disappointment, and then we come home, and we've got all this work to do, and so we're just as frustrated and exhausted after our vacation as we were before our vacation because we're trying too hard but take your vacation and spend it wisely don't spend your vacation on those stressful times where you're just trying to live a life that you that you you know is kind of fake and then another way that you can show that you trust God is take those vacation days get some sleep and also the Sabbath rest. Take a day off. Take a day off, and I hope that day is today. This is an ideal day for for us to do this. Basically, Sabbath is the seventh, and all the way up until Jesus rose from the dead, the Jews celebrated the seventh day of the week, Saturday. That was their day of rest, but because of the resurrection. We as Christians and the church has always celebrated Sunday. And what that does is it reverses the order that we're actually starting with rest. We're starting with this sense of uh, of just calm and peace and just trusting. Because, hey, we could get out there and we could go get a bunch of stuff done. But we're saying, no, we're going to spend time resting at the beginning of our week. Because we know that God is going to bless the rest of our week. And the same thing is true for our days. We, we actually start with rest every single day. That's why in Genesis 1 Jesus uh, God created the pattern. Evening and morning were the first day. Evening and morning were the second day. We, our day should actually start on the night and, and go through the day. Um, this is the pattern that God set up in creation. And so on the Sabbath we come and we We enter into a time of worship and fellowship with other brothers and sisters, and we we take this time to intentionally listen to what Jesus is saying to us and and for us. And we come in and listen, and we start our week with a Sabbath rest. A, A quick point of application, I would say, is just to remove unnecessary and ungodly things in your life. Just just. Start doing triage And like any any of those things That are unnecessary Or any of those things That are ungodly For for sure Start moving those things From your life So that you can Not be distracted By all those things And then finally I would say And this is a more Immediate and and practical application For us as a church That's going to be A little bit counterintuitive When I say it But I want you to listen Prayerfully consider Joining life group prayerfully consider joining a life group this is a home group where we talk about the word we have fellowship and accountability with one another we pray for each other and we do it on a regular basis we haven't started these yet at Calvary Baptist Church but in the weeks ahead we're going to talk more and you might be thinking well uh, pastor aren't you aren't you telling me something more to do isn't that more that must be done Um, No, it's more of what we need to do. See, we need to do less of the things we don't need to do, and we need to do more of the things we need to do. We want to minor on the many things and major on the main thing. And in the life group, that's an opportunity for you to be a part of that. It's not the only thing, but it's, it's focusing us on the main thing. So that's why we're going to begin life groups soon And and I want you to see this final point from Mary and Martha Just in in kind of relation to life groups Is it just one more busy work, one more thing to do Another evening uh, out of my week that I've got to go do something Um, No, I don't see it that way See, Mary spent time at Jesus' feet Listening to his words Martha spent those same minutes you see this the minutes and the hours and the days are the same for us all aren't they but Martha spent those same minutes doing something else and those were good things but they weren't the necessary thing those were good things but they were distracting her from the main thing and so so Mary spent minutes at Jesus's feet while Martha spent those same Minutes doing something else. See, so we often say, "Well, I don't, I don't really have time to read my Bible. I, I don't really have time for a, another evening out, or or to spend time in a life group." Well, pray, pray about it. prayerfully consider. I'm not saying that it is the thing that you should do. I don't want to burden you with with an obligation or a requirement. What I do want to do is offer to you that this is an opportunity for us. To join together in smaller groups So that we can meet face to face In someone's home And and just live out these truths In our lives Help hold each other accountable To being at the feet of Jesus Together So I want you to prayerfully consider Joining a life group Let's pray Father we, uh, We thank you for your word and we thank you for what your holy spirit is teaching us in this moment right now. We pray that you would help us to reflect on our own schedule, on our own calendar and begin to turn over our life to you. Lord, if there's anything we're holding back in our life, we pray that you would that you would treat us gently as you did with Martha and you would just say to us, Nathan, Nathan, that you would speak to us by name and you would just gently and compassionately admonish us that there is one necessary thing and that is fellowship.